there's limitations everywhere, right? I may not have the data. Uh, I'd advise everyone, right? My advice is always when I talk to other leaders or mentor them, use what you got. Find a way to, to clean it up and get some consistency. Make sure your data isn't in a silo. Make sure their data isn't in a silo. And there's some way that you can uh, get some connectivity between it just so that you can both share it, both know what it means and represents and be able to act on it. Uh, so that's that part from the, the customer standpoint. It's back to the handoffs. How do we make sure we've got a clean handoff of responsibility so that there's both no gaps and no uh, excessive duplication or overlapping of effort? Welcome to the Distributed Truth Podcast. Today's B2B SaaS teams all share one thing in common, fragmented customer data. Marketing, sales, customer success, finance, and product teams need better approaches to unified customer data. What does it look like to be data-driven rather than data-inhibited? What is the link between investing in unified customer data and revenue growth? How can we create consistent customer experiences through unified customer data? Join us here at the Distributed Truth Podcast as we interview a wide array of go-to-market revenue operations, technology, and data leaders, all dedicated to solving the problem of fragmented customer data. Hello and welcome to the Distributed Truth Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Evan Dunn, Growth Marketing at Syncery, and I'm here with Michael Boyd, Head of Customer Success at Vanta, who previously ran CS at Security Scorecard, Tanium, and Pythian. He's been over 20 years in enterprise B2B post-sales delivery, solution architecture, sales engineering type roles. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Evan, it's a pleasure. Um, I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of trends, I think, that go in your favor as a CS role. We'd hope, right? We um, hope. Right. So one of those being PLG, which in many contexts is bringing user data into the hands of CS so they can be better upsell, cross-sell intelligence in their activities. Another being the focus on NRR and NDR and just generally revenue efficiency. And so for those listening who don't know what those terms mean, NRR is net revenue retention, NDR is net dollar retention. I'm not going to try to explain the difference between the two here. It just basically means how much of your new business are you keeping um, at the end of a contract? Is it more or less than the initial contract? So Michael, can you tell us a little bit about some of these trends and how you see the role of CS um, changing with the pressure on revenue efficiency um, these days? Well, as you said, um, customer success, and, and remember, I'm a customer success person, so I'm a little biased here. I always feel customer success is the central gear in the bigger engine we want. And for our companies to go fast, the engine's got to go fast. If the engine is going to go fast, that means CS has to be there driving it. I know my product friends don't like that. They think product's the biggest gear, right? Uh, education may think they're an important gear in there, but CS touches everybody. Um, back to your question, though, are we getting enough attention to help drive some of that stuff? Fully agree that net retention, whether you're talking percentage or dollars, is where it's all at. It shows that you're growing as a company and ideally leveraging your existing customer base to grow, to continue to give them more solutions, to bring them back year over year, as well as uh, essentially finding new problems for them to solve. The downside is, and you alluded to the dark side part of it, 
sometimes in customer success, we've been ignored for getting enough information and specifically data to know where to go target and, and to be able to then do that at scale. So that's always the challenging part. Um, how do you go do things? My space, the last few roles have been heavily in the cybersecurity space, the infosec space. And we always like to say there, you can't measure what you can't see. For our tools that help you see all those cybersecurity risks that could pose to, uh, a threat to you. And it's almost the same analogy in customer success. We can't grow what we can't see. So how do we get enough data that we can look at, no matter where it's coming from, whether it's interactions that we do, whether it's from the rest of the sales team, or more importantly, from the product at times, to know when is the right time to act and to go do something to help the customer move forward towards whatever they're trying to achieve, and ultimately, hopefully, have more solutions we can help them with down the road. Yeah, I, um, I've i seen this problem of underinvestment in CS a lot. It's always confused me because an adopted product it puts the product at the center of everything, but unadopted products, which are rampant, right? I mean, there's nothing there. It doesn't matter that you built a product. It doesn't matter that, um, uh, you know, that it exists. If, if you frankly. build it, they may not come, right? Adam? Yes. Right? I mean, if a, if a product fails in a forest, does it, does we it go on it anyways? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say somewhere there will be a churn there. I had a joke out of that, right? Um, but but I do think it's it's trying to get enough of that telemetry out of the product for for both sides actually for for customer success specifically enough to identify where in that proverbial forest you mentioned the customer is and how do we give them either a nudge or a really big shove to go back on the right path to either get through the forest or get to their goal in the forest um, without knowing where they are again. You can't measure what you can't see. You can't defend what you can't see. It leaves us not knowing where the customer is. So that's a, a shortcoming. And historically, I found a, a lot of tech companies, they just started building up front. We got a great idea. We got a solution. We're putting that product to market. They never really thought about the well, what happens after the sale. And that's in a way, I think, how customer success got born was, oh, my goodness, the, the customer needs help. What do we do? And they would just throw people at it. Here, you're a customer success person, go make the customer successful, do whatever they need. And we haven't thought about, well, how do we do that instead of in a very reactive way? How do we know where the customer is? How do we then start using that information to either politely or gently or very forcefully nudge them back to where they need to go to so that, as you pointed out earlier, they can get to adopting the, the product and solution because it may not be a product, it could be a combination, using it as part of their day-to-day -day operations to make their organization better and to be able to ultimately um, use, use that data for ourselves so that we can be, again, more prescriptive as a CS org, we could scale as a customer success org and, and ultimately reduce friction along the way, both for, for our purposes, having the customer have a more frictionless type of engagement with us. So it's easier to do business. Of course, we'll renew with you. We love you. All of those types of feelings that, that keep your business growing and get to NRR. For the customer, it's also giving them some, you know, how do you have a well-built product with enough telemetry and data so that they may not need all of your help as a customer service org and they can get to their goals better without friction, without having to stop along the way 
um, the the so-called proverbial easy button, right? That you can give them along yeah. the way. And both of those heavily are reliant on data and uh, coming from all sources of the product and other, other sites as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there's a couple of things you touched on there I want to expand on a bit. First, would you mind giving our audience an example of a couple or a couple examples of metrics that um, CS uh, often needs but doesn't often have out of product usage? Uh, that often doesn't have. Typically, where is the customer currently in their journey? They're after the sale. We know that because somewhere we have a closed one deal in a in a CRM system. But where are they at what that journey is? Part of it could be that no one's ever figured out what that journey should look like. So you don't know the steps for the customer to go through. You know, maybe the technical steps they go through. Do this configuration, connect this thing, run this report, set up this data. But you don't know the, does that get the customer to whatever their goal is or their outcome is? So if you don't have those steps measured and a way to know where that customer is without someone having to go to the customer, ask them where they are and to write that down and put that in the system, that's not scalable. It's probably not accurate either once once the game of telephone play tag plays out. But to get that data, so again, you know where they are, you know where you can nudge them along the way. And hopefully recognize that either they're doing something wrong, they're doing something new and unique you didn't think your product could do, that may be a whole new area you can dive into, or where they got stuck, which is typically where we see customers, they go, they hit a brick wall, they don't know where to go next. And we almost need to figure out, you know, like a detective, well, gee, they haven't logged in in X days. They're not getting into certain areas of of our application, let's say in the workflow that show that they're moving along. Well, what do we do about that? And how do we align? We now see they got stuck and then marry that up with what's the right corrective action to take either automatically or with a human being to move that customer forward. So yeah, lots of missing pieces. Yeah, and I wonder too, with the emphasis on product like growth and sort of like self-service everything, um, I wonder if more companies are missing the opportunity for machine assisted relationships, right? Which is really what we're talking about, right? Is yep. data at the fingertips of humans who are building meaningful relationships with people on the other side and the customer, right? Cause that's, that, that's kind of what, um, CS has the opportunity to create and carry forward from sales too, right? Is okay. We developed a good rapport. That's why they bought. How do we carry that rapport into the the full relationship? Um, do you see companies uh, with a PLG mindset? I mean, you see so many roles open up that are saying you're launching a PLG uh-huh. initiative. Your title is growth product manager or something like that, right? Like, is there a risk that they're missing the the human aspect of adoption, or do um, you see a good hybrid approach? I, I do. I'm a big fan of more the hybrid approach, but that's it probably depends on the product would be my ultimate answer. Mm-hmm. Because you may have some products and solutions that are really designed for simplicity, ease of use. I'm going to go in and connect, do a function, get a result or data I can action on back and go manage that. And there's products every day that people are using. They're easy to use. They're low friction. I come in, I can use them. If I value, I continue my subscription. I add more of my team in to go do it. Um, 
to be able to get that value that I see coming out of that. Uh, you do miss some of the relationship part of it, no doubt about it. The who do I call? How do I get people to understand my business? Uh, from I'm thinking from the customer vantage point, right? How do I make sure that that they know me? They it's someone I can trust when I go to to come to them with a problem or a new challenge. So I, I think there are some gaps there. Part of it back towards how do we all work better as the gears in the engine is definitely around how do you make sure you have a good handoff if you've got a separate go-to-market sales motion that traditionally stops at point of sale? How do you make sure you're handing that, well, twofold, how do you make sure you're handing the relationship off, back to your point on the strength of relationships driving enterprise business, uh, but also the opposite, how do I make sure that we start setting the proper expectations of the post-sales world for customer success, support, uh, education, anything else that comes afterwards? How do you start setting expectations for that early enough in the sales cycle without it again being, I'm going to drag some hero CSM in to present that for you? How do you have that story laid out? And, and part of that planning actually goes into the almost the fundamental planning or foundational planning you're doing as a business that's got to span across customer success, product, engineering, all the go-to-market, product marketing, brand marketing. All of that stuff needs to be aligned. Um, it, that can't be built in silos. You need some good cross-functional communication. Otherwise, you'll have stuff at different levels of maturity or completion, and it confuses the customer, and that leads to, I need a human being to interact. Becomes more costly. drives up your cost of retention, your cost of service, your cost of support, um, and probably ultimately your cost of both sale and renewal. So, um, It's, it's about that. those little uh, opportunity object notes from Salesforce and the account object well, notes it's, and it, all those it, well, together. <laughs> That's part well, of it. I would, yeah. Well, it, and I think that the tough part is, you know, we all have our CRM instances, right? That just have a pile of stuff, but it's not useful. It's mm -hmm. not actionable. Um, I always find, right, the really key things are probably one, number one, making sure you've got alignment as a company, right? That you're all going to put in your portions of the data across that journey for the customer, whether it's sales and pre-sales in the, in the pre-sales motions, whether that comes from your product-led or sales-led growth initiatives, all the way through the handoff of beginning what that customer interaction and experience and journey look like. Um, consistency is another one, right? Uh, having data you can rely on, having clean, clean data, or at least clean-ish, you know, um, I always will tell teams, and when I come in, and the first thing I look at is, is it a free-form field that I can put anything in the world in, or is it something that I actually have some constraints, some categorization, so that we're not too far out of you know unstructured data enough to do some work with? Um, I, I see that a lot with um, uh, opportunity products, right? Uh, defining mm -hmm. those is so vital to a sort of standard view of the life cycle, right? Like different paths for different products, but also Zendesk, Jira, you know, those kind of tools aren't great at the integration game, right? Uh, you know, um, CRMs have their own issues, but I mean, can you speak to like, how, what is it like as being part of the tech stack ownership, right? F from a CS standpoint, do you find 
you're bumping into walls all the time with a lot of requests for help and support or what's that experience like? Uh, well, do you mean help and support from customers that I that the tech stack doesn't help me comply with or just internally managing our own tech stack? Which which I think which the latter is what I'm thinking, but, but yeah, both are interesting. Well, the the let me start with the internal battle because that's one we all fight every day, right? There's limitations everywhere, right? I may not have the data. Uh, I'd advise everyone, right? My advice is always, when I talk to other leaders or mentor them, use what you got. Find a way to, to clean it up and get some consistency. Make sure your data isn't in a silo. Make sure their data isn't in a silo. And there's some way that you can uh, get some connectivity between it just so that you can both share it, both know what it means and represents and be able to act on it. Uh, so that's that part from the, the customer standpoint, it's back to the handoffs. How do we make sure we've got a clean handoff of responsibility so that there's both no gaps and no uh, excessive duplication or overlapping of effort? And, and yeah, you can do that within whether it's certain systems or you know which tool does the ticket get recorded in. Um, but uh, again, I, I find making sure you're coaching people to look for where there's the bottlenecks and then to raise their hand so you can route it to whichever one on your team is going to be able to do that, right? I, I'll admit I've been pretty fortunate the last few roles that I've had some really strong ops type or rev ops type leaders and, and staff and team that would go in there to help route out a problem and, and figure out where the data is breaking and gee, why did my February numbers all of a sudden disappear, right? Uh, and those are all real examples from just the last week, right? That we can get into just so that everyone has the right data to, to, to act on it accordingly. Do you see, you mentioned RevOps, do you see the rise of the RevOps function, you know, sort of unifying sales marketing and CS and maybe even finance, but does that benefit CS a bit more than previous architectures of the team? Um, the short answer I'd say is yes, right? Um, I'm seeing it actually growing more in popularity. When I started in CS, there was you know barely a RevOps, let alone CS Ops. You know why, why does CS need something special? And it's or CS Ops was considered. Well, you have Zendesk, you can put in a ticket, right? You can create your own tickets and track them. Um, to where it's now grown to be that really core functionality. It almost started, I think, when and I don't know whether this was coming from investors or boards originally or from outside advisors kind of asking deeper questions on the business and specifically the renewal and subscription business that folks didn't have answers for. And they said, well, we're going to need to be able to report how many customers we retained and how many dollars we retained for that and why the ones are, that are leaving us are leaving us. And that I think almost reactionarily has shuffled through the, the reporting stack to say, how do we make sure we have enough data down from whatever the lowest you know, object is the opportunity, the account, the the renewal or support records to be able to boil up to see those things. So uh, definitely seeing it growing. I still see a lot of customer success ops, if you want to call it that, kind of the reactionary um, group, right? You know, may, maybe from CS, from a data standpoint, it's always like that family holiday party where they had the table for the adults and then there's the table for the kids. Well, that's where CS ops would be sitting is at the kids table. But, sometimes. Let's drill into that. Why is that the case, right? Like, do you see a need for data leaders to partner more with CS? Because CS is, you're so tied to the finance systems, the sales systems and the product usage, right? In software contexts. 
why isn't I, this figured out? Why is this, you know? I, my, I, I think from my experience, I've found that no one at first was thinking about that. They were thinking about top line revenue growth. They really weren't thinking, oh, and mostly new customer acquisition type growth driving that. No one really ever paid attention to the, well, we don't have to be profitable just yet. Maybe we're still in our seed stages or our first rounds of series stages. Profit will come later at some point. And because we kept deferring that for so long, I think it just kept getting pushed down on the priority list from, gee, we really need to dig into this now. I do think economically, you know, now with the way the economy is going, this is going to become an even bigger issue. I've been hearing lately from, you know, other CS leaders as they're trying to recruit people in to handle CS ops that it's it's a very competitive market, right? And and there's also a lack of experience in true CS data ops leaders out there that have been doing that long enough at scale to come in with expertise. So I think it's still growing. I think we're still being reactionary. And I and I do think probably the the goal for all of us should be start start with what you have and iterate right i always tell my team that is yes we will never have perfect data from the product from the financial side from any of it let's start with what we have and then we can incrementally build on that as we both try and manage our groups better grow our teams better and ultimately tell our story both internally and eventually externally uh, a lot better I think that's beautifully put. Um, I actually just ran a survey on LinkedIn this morning, uh, Michael, asking, you know, I, um, I've got a lot of RevOps and data hybrid type people in my network now and um, asking, you know, okay, if we do restructure for a more efficient handling of data for utility between GTM ops of different kinds and data teams, what would that look like? And most people so far by and large have chosen data becoming part of GTM ops. And mm -hmm. I'm almost thinking as we're talking, like there's perhaps an argument to be made that in B2B contexts, CS, if we really treat it as the center of the universe, right? We've got, speaking of, of higher ticket, higher contract value products, right? Um, it really does center around um, closing business and making sure the adoption happens, like a kind of a bias towards the long tail. Totally agree. I, I actually think I, I, I joke with my sales friends all the time, right? All those account reps out there that, you know, the, the real relationship doesn't begin or the, the, the real goal we should all have isn't the sale to ring the bell that we got the SOW signed or the sales order signed, but really to get that customer to point of first value. Because if we get them to the point of just where they're now achieving, let's say they've adopted the solution, they're starting to use it in their day-to-day -day world, they're starting to get benefit of saving people time, money, energy, effort, um, using it to grow their business somehow. Once they get that value, they don't have to get to their ultimate goal. Um, you know, in, in our world today, uh, at, at Vantas specifically, a lot of our customers, they have goals that they need to be able to prove that they're secure and trustworthy. Sometimes that includes an audit. That audit may take a while, but they're achieving value long before that, right? Once they get to the point where they have visibility with our products into where their problems are, where their challenges are, where they have to deploy their people to go fix. Um, and I always tell everyone, if we can focus more on that time to first value as really one of the metrics... Because at that point, now you're at a point you could go upsell that customer for a new solution, a new problem they share with you. 
because they already say, oh, I'm getting value out of that company, that solution, that product set. Maybe they can solve my next problem that's coming and still make me a hero in my organization. Those are, those are great values there. If you never get to that first value and you never get fully adopted, something you mentioned earlier, we become the equivalent of SaaS, you know, in uh, era of shelfware, right? That doesn't get used. The subscription lapses and dies. And again, without even some of the most basic data back to the product led growth data, if I see customers aren't logging in, that's a really first sign. They're not even adopting, let alone getting value. So it, it comes into that really full circle back towards how do I use all of it to know where the customer is, get them to value, get them to the next value milestone, whatever that is, and then keep them on that journey going forward to get more and more stuff, more and more value for them, which, you know, th there's a phrase um, that I really like of, you know, helping will sell, selling won't help. Mm. Our goal, mm, and, and that, that's from that's from the folks at TSIA, right? I, I'm, I will give them full credit for it. And that's because that's what customers want. They need help getting what they need to get done. Our job is to empower them to be heroes in their organization. And if we can figure out how to use data we have from our products, our solutions, and from those very customers to give them good direction on how to do it, we're going to win in the customer success game. And hopefully we'll have enough data to know how good we're doing at that along the way, yeah. right? Michael, this has been excellent. I, we're going to wrap here in just a second. I do want to emphasize for everyone, though, um, and I totally agree. Time to first value is excellent. It's the beginning of the viral loop. At that point, you're asking about a case study. You're asking for a review on software sites, right? And it doesn't really make sense before then, right? They just paid you money before then is the extent of the relationship. They're probably not keen to do those things, but customer references happen at that point. So if we really want to say we're product-led, then really adoption-led or value-led growth that we're looking for, right? Where it's not that the product exists, it's that it's delightful. Um, and at that point, and, and your team too is part of that story, right? So, exactly. um, you know, I guess- Evan, one, I, one Evan I think you nailed it, right? We're going to forget, you know, sales-led and product-led. It's value-led growth. You've now named it, right? We're going with VLG forward. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a great mix. You got to make a new LG every other week, I think, these days is a requirement. Michael, do you have any closing recommendations for anyone in your role or in CSOps or RevOps or even data who sees a deep need to improve? You know, you mentioned you need to better understand the, the customer journey in order to be able to produce metrics like time to first value. But any actionable, like, go talk to this person, go make this model, go make this metric kind of recommendations you can leave our audience with to drive adoption faster with their products. Yeah, I was going to say you, um, a customer journey is very helpful. It doesn't have to be, you know, 90 miles deep with what screen you have to go to to click on what button. At the very high level, what's that next milestone you want to get the customer to to get them from after they bought, how do they get set up? How do they maybe adopt your your solution? If you can identify just a few of those high-level milestones to start and a way to track them, Ideally, through telemetry and data, you're going to get back from your product set or your user interaction. That's a great first step because then you know they made it to that milestone. Um, you know, visualize a GPS map like on your phone. They're the blue dot. You need to make sure the blue dot gets to the next turn, you know, wherever that is in the instructions. Um, so that's probably the leading thing I'd say with I, uh, 
also look for areas where you could see some of that data of what's going to come down the road. Find things that are leading indicators for you. Uh, they achieve step one. You know they're on the path to step two and three as long as they do these other things. And that'll let you be more proactive than reactive in going after that. And, and again, the biggest piece I'd say is your data, the product data, the sales data, it's not a silo. Figure out how to get stuff together. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be wonderfully integrated. Um, whatever you start with, start with it and just don't forget to iterate. Michael, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on the Distributed Truth Podcast. Uh, with that, we'll wrap. Thank you for listening to the Distributed Truth Podcast. Check out our other episodes or visit Syncary.com to learn more about unified customer data. That's S-Y-N-C-A-R-I, Syncary.com. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you.